Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mitten Politics again. This is a bonus episode because I would feel remiss if I didn't do one episode pre-election and actually talk about what's going on in the country right now. I want to start with just a few words from my state senator, Mallory McMorrow. This election could not be more important because we know how close it was in 2016. So I talked to a lot of people who just feel like their vote doesn't matter and their voice doesn't matter and it's hopeless and politics is lost and that could not be more true. It is going to come down to individual votes. So you have to make that plan, you have to get out there and your voice matters. And if you don't, you're giving that away to somebody else. Wow, I think that really speaks to me and maybe it speaks to you as well. That sense of hopelessness with politics and, you know, are we ever really going to get some of these progressive things done that we've been talking about and hoping for and anguishing over? I, I have to admit that I, I honestly am really fired up about this election, though. I see a lot of potential. I see lots of people who are running for office, who are talking about new things, who are uh, fighting for progressive change in the country who are rejecting the type of authoritarianism that the Trump administration has seemed to normalize. And I, there's a lot of positive things that can get done with, with the Biden administration, uh, things that will impact climate change, things that will help student borrowers, things that will help get people back to work, things that will build up our infrastructure, things that will support uh, criminal justice reform, all sorts of things. And so I, I think this election is incredibly important, as exhausting as the process has been to get here. I think now is the moment when we have to take this seriously and make our voice heard through voting. Through the rest of this episode, I'm going to be discussing the current uh, situation with the election with my friend Seth. We're going to talk about everything from the current polling how it's different from 2016. And then also we're going to talk a little bit about what is the future of the Republican Party going to look like. So uh, I'll just go ahead and dive right in. All right. So today I am here with one of my best Judies, Seth Prophet. We have been friends since, what, 2014? 2015. Fall of 2015. Okay. Um, grew up in Rochester, just like me. Um, <laughs> lots of, of similarities. Um, and we're just going to kind of give a little bit of commentary about uh, kind of what's going on with the election as we approach the official election and just kind of cover a few things since this is a political podcast before, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least put something out there talking about this election as a political podcast <laughs> that was released shortly before. Might the be election. a little important, you know, only the probably the most political, the most important political thing of um, the decade. Probably. Yeah, I, I know I definitely feel this way, and a lot of my friends and peers feel this way. People who are in the queer community, yeah. people in, you know, of varying communities of color, um, we all felt a certain uh, trauma yeah. in 2016 when, to our surprise, no, I don't think any of us really thought Donald Trump was going to win the election. Yeah, um, I think that the election 2016 really started a four-year, I don't know, landslide into 
the throes of traumatic events, especially when you're looking at something like the Trump administration, which continuously employs gaslighting and is incredibly damaging to the communal psyche of a you know, society, for lack of a better, a better term. Um, but I think one of the interesting things about this year's election specifically is that we are, as a country, probably the most divided that we've ever been, you know, I mean, for sure in recent years. But then on top of that, I think that there's um, almost a nonpartisan, nonpolitical trauma being felt everywhere. You know, I mean, not just in marginalized communities, not just on the left side, but on the right side as well. The difference is, is that for the first time, I think in my life, I feel like me and all of my friends and loved ones who fall on the left side of the aisle I feel like we're being mobilized in a different way and we are being unified in a different way and that's through this kind of group traumatic experience that we have dealt with for four years, you know? Um, yeah, and like, so coming up on 2016 specifically, um, Hillary was leading in the polls. Mm -hmm. Nobody thought that it was likely that Donald Trump was going to win, especially with the crazy rhetoric that was being thrown out there. Um, I think one of the challenges, you know, that, that we faced is then he was elected and there was that immediate feeling of trauma, but there was still also like all of the, well, you know, people in his cabinet will prevent him from doing things that are too crazy and people right. in the Senate will prevent him from doing things that are too crazy and people right. in the House will prevent him from doing things that are too far out of left field. And so it felt like there still might be a, a lot of his rhetoric that might not be able to come to fruition. Yeah, and then it seemed like, you know, every two weeks you look at the news cycle and it's like, so that's not too far now. Right. <laughs> like, like, I guess this is all right now, but wait. And then two weeks later, it's like we're taking one further step into the crazy and we're taking one further step into, I think what a lot of us have believed to be the lowest point that could possibly happen in our country. Well, yeah. And like many of the Republicans who were in the House and the Senate were highly critical of Trump, you know, leading all the way up to the election and mm -hmm. after the election. Yes. And... In, in the time since then, they've really rallied around him and shown that they're willing to sign off on just about whatever it is that he says and does. Right. And I think that that's been, like, I, I often think about it like, you know, the old adage, if you throw a frog into a boiling pot of water, the frog will jump out. Right. But when you boil the pot of water slowly the frog will not be aware and will right. roast. Yeah. And it really, it feels in some ways like that's what's happened with the Republican Party as a whole, is that they've allowed a little bit of leeway, a little bit of leeway, a little bit of leeway, to the point now where many of them are kind of, you know, stuck in this position. And yeah. don't get me wrong, I don't feel empathy <laughs> for them because they made this bed. Right. But they are finding themselves now where they've moved so far away from who they once were yeah. that they're just greenlighting these things and, and the whole party is kind of in shambles. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah. So as we come up on 2020, 
Biden is leading by a larger margin than Hillary was at the same point in the election. Why do you think that people are so hesitant to trust the polls? Well, I think that there was a huge amount of distrust sown in 2016 um, because at least in... You know, and I don't even think that it it is uh, about the left not trusting the polls. I think that... I think that it's becoming more and more clear as we get closer to the election that not only is obviously the majority of the left voting for Trump, but I do think that, or voting for Biden, voting for Trump, can you imagine? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but also there are, there's a significant portion of the Republican Party that is even now just disavowing Trump. Um, I, the people for the most part that I run into who don't trust the polls or call into question the legitimacy of polls that say that Biden is, not only has an advantage, but has over 50%. That is a thing that I hear almost only from the right. Um, that is a narrative that is spun almost only by the right, at, at least in my view. Because my thing is, it makes complete sense to me that on both sides of the aisle, we are, there is some mobilization to get away from the Trump administration, the dumpster fire that it has been. Um, but on top of that, there have also been other things that have that really interest me in terms of the 2020 election, especially if we look at... Um, more of Gen Z is coming to age, coming to voting age. Um, and if you, like most of us from quarantine, <laughs> um, are obsessed with TikTok, I think that has become an abundantly clear thing. And then, I mean, look at Claudia Conway. That's actually a huge thing right now. All the news coming out about Claudia Conway's TikTok, which I've been a fan of basically since its inception. I adore Yeah, well, her. and Kellyanne really is the odd one out in that family because yes. her husband is part of the Lincoln Project and has been mm -hmm. speaking out publicly against yes. Trump for a while now. Yes. And, you know, her daughter. <laughs> what, what a family dynamic to be stuck in. <laughs> Imagine. Well, and then I... So I think that ties into... There's a huge distrust in the polls, yes. I, I think that that was sown in the last election. I think we're probably going to continue to have a distrust of the polls, which I don't think is the wrong thing. I think that polls should be looked at with as critical of an eye as possible. Well, but but I guess on the flip side, though, that's I think that's one of the, the challenges that people get into is mm -hmm. thinking that if the polls say this, this is what will happen. Exactly. When polls are really more of like a snapshot of now kind right. of thing, like if the election were held today, this is what we would expect. Right. And I think like in 2016, there was the Access Hollywood tape and things that came out, but then, you know... Comey reopening investigations into the Hillary Clinton emails, and there was so much that changed in those final weeks that it right. threw a lot of things off. Um, I think, you know, like, it feels the same because it at the time, like, the polls were saying it was almost certain that Clinton was going to win. Right. And right now, many of the polls are, again, saying it's almost certain that Biden's going to win. Right. And we haven't fully gotten over that trauma that we felt in 2016. For sure you know, the night that we, we all went to sleep watching the dominoes fall in Donald Trump's right. 
direction. Yeah. But I think some things that are, are key differences this year is pollsters have learned from their mistakes mm-hmm. in 2016 in terms of margins of voters they were missing um, and, and improperly waiting. Right. Um, like one of the big things was waiting by education. Mm-hmm. They had a disproportionate number of college educated voters that were in the factored into the polls mm-hmm. and the people who are non-college educated voters are statistically more likely to support Republicans. Right. And so that's been adjusted for at this point. But also within the margin, even though the margins might be similar or look similar, um, many of the states that Biden is polling better in are over 50 percent, meaning if Trump were to win that, he would have to not only get some of the undecided voters, which there are far fewer this year, but also would have to convert Biden voters away from voting for or supporting Biden. Right. So that's also unique. Right. Um, I think it's unique that there are more states in play mm-hmm. this time. The fact that we're even having a conversation about Arizona and Texas yeah. and Georgia being potentially in play. Absolutely. And Senate seats in South Carolina and Kansas and Montana could yeah. be up. Um, I think that that's indicative of a, a change in the way that this race is uh, being being run and what what it actually means relative to um, 2016. But then also, like you mentioned with me earlier today, that uh, you know more people are mobilized and unified around mm-hmm. this intense desire to evict Donald Trump from yeah. the White House yeah, and, and bring some sanity back. Yeah, and I mean, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I that's an incredibly interesting thing, I think, for me and for you, for people who come, who are liberal people, who are progressive people, who come from a very conservative area in our state. I think that it's very interesting to... I kind of get all points of view, but my thing is that with with what's going on in 2020, I feel for the first time like there is somewhat of a unified movement that's unified only because there is one demagogue who we cannot keep in power, who most rational human beings at this point, I think, should. Um, Right, and Biden may not have been the person, I mean, he certainly wasn't the person I was most excited for. We had a slate of over 20 different Democratic candidates of different backgrounds and ethnicities. And, um, you know, there was was so much potential in this. So, I mean, Biden was the last person on my list. Exactly, on on most of our lists. I, I, nobody, nobody had Biden as their first choice. Nobody. I, I cannot name one person who from the beginning of the primaries was like, yes, Biden. Absolutely. Right, and there were some who were nostalgic about what he For brought sure. um, and with I mean, the Obama administration. And that is the benefit of I mean, being a former vice president coming and running for president. I mean, of course we have some nostalgia of that. Um, but I also feel like, but I, I think that most people recognized that Biden had his time and we wanted someone more progressive in to take over the presidency. Um, 
obviously not the way that it went down, but I think that's why it's important to, as we're coming on to this election, I think it's really important for us to realize that this is just one step in the right direction. You know, that's why we're voting for Biden. I mean, besides the policy points that just blatantly contradict all of the negative things that Trump believes or doesn't believe, because who knows at this point what he believes. He um, Well, I mean, he believes whatever he thinks looks the most favorable exactly. to him, factual um, or otherwise. 100%. Um, I mean, he, he will create policy proposals on the fly and then bully people after the fact into making it come right. true. Um, but I, I agree that I think it's, it's a, a bigger conversation it's not this election happens and it's all done i also think that like as we watch you know what the democratic party platform rolled out and the Mm -hmm. conversations and things that biden is standing for now like you can see a fair amount of the conversations that were being had throughout the primary now being reflected with biden right and many of those individuals are are now a part of this campaign and are continuing to make their voices heard. Right. You know, Bernie Sanders is not going to let the things that he was talking about just completely get flushed, but recognizes that what Biden is offering is a step toward what he was discussing, but also that it's far better than what Donald <laughs> Trump could potentially Exactly, bring in. yeah. And then Kamala Harris being in as a vice president excited me. Me too. And I know there are people who have issues with her mm-hmm. record with uh, being an attorney general yeah. and so forth. Um, but I think also, like, she has been someone who's demonstrated an incredible amount of change going from her job, which was to prosecute individuals, yeah. to being one of the senators with the most progressive records Mm -hmm. currently sitting in the senate yeah so you know i think what she brings gives me a lot more faith in the long game of of the administration for sure right but i think you're right this is just a start to fixing this is not a one election and done yeah um you know if dems can take the senate as well that will allow them to enact more policies and make movement but i think biden will sign things if they get to his desk so we need to for fight sure. for progressive representation in the Senate and House as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, and that is one of the things that kind of puts me at peace with having at this point to vote for Biden. Um, no, not the candidate that I or most of us wanted originally. But at the same time, I do feel like he will get stuff done. There, If something is put in front of him he's going to work to make sure that it is done and it is done in the best possible way to benefit the country. Um, which I, which is not how things are run in the Trump administration. I think that's been abundantly clear for four years, but especially in the last seven months. And, and honestly, I think based on the way that Biden approaches things, he's probably the most likely I mean, obviously he's the candidate at this point, but I think that he's, he's likely to be the best, have the best chance of bringing some of the more moderate Republicans who, if there are any left in the (laughs) Senate, 
back into the fold and trying right. to get some sort of bipartisanship right. operating again. Because Mitch McConnell is has already revealed himself to be one of the most partisan and selfish, self uh, self interest driven individuals. Yes. In in probably in, in definitely in my lifetime yeah. in terms of looking at the political landscape. Um, and and I think Biden is someone who could would be mo most likely to get maybe those five or six Republican senators to be willing to work on certain things with us, right? Um, to be willing to advance policy, especially like things with COVID and Absolutely. and what we really need to get past this pandemic. I think that's really important. For sure. Um, one of the things that will be interesting to see, assuming Biden wins, which none of us should assume that's going to be the case, <laughs> we all need to still stay active, but yes. assuming he wins and assuming, assuming that the Senate flips, um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the Republican Party, mm -hmm. because Absolutely. so many of them have sold themselves out to the ultra-conservative, <laughs> far-right musings yeah. of a narcissistic president. Right. And... I, I feel like there are Republicans like Lincoln Project type Republicans <laughs> yeah. who are going to try to return the party to some sense of normalcy, some sense of centrist or center-right approach. Right. But I, I don't know that either of those is going to successfully bring the other part of the party with them. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it could be said for the country as a whole that I would not be shocked if in, you know, I don't know, give it 10 years, not even. And it, it would not be shocking to me if we have a multi-party system. Um, it, it just wouldn't be. I mean, the way that everything has worked out in the last four years, one, I don't know if the Republican Party can function without having one back backing or one person to back um having one highly narcissistic individual sitting in the top office of the country i don't know that they know how to be without that um so i wouldn't be shocked if you know you see lincoln project republicans and i've also seen um ads from uh republicans for trump um both of which, obviously, at this point, have been saying that, who have been endorsing Biden, which is incredibly interesting to me. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if there's some sort of fracturing of the Republican Party, some sort of fracturing of the Democratic Party in the next, you know, couple of years and then in the future. Um, it's very interesting to me. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, like, you know, I, I talked earlier about, like, how people have been pulled, you know, like, some certain Republicans have been pulled way further right than they ever expected to be. But at the same time, like, it's, it's hard to really know, like, is it that you gave ground, you gave ground, you were worried about your reelection, you... Mm -hmm felt like this was the direction you had to go? Did somebody threaten you into this? Like, like it's hard to know what motivating factors there were because also on the flip side, it could just be that you're a complete power hungry sellout and like people are gonna notice that. Like if right. you look at Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham is someone who I never would have agreed with, but was on par with to in some ways with like a John McCain 
at one point where he was willing to work across the yeah. aisle. He voted yeah. in favor of certain things that uh, were, you know, Democratic proposals when Obama was elected um, and and had more of that kind of I'm a center right, like I'm an in, I'm independent in my vote, right. like you can vote for me and elect me because I will vote in the best interest of my constituents regardless right. of, you know, whatever, and has, you know, criticized Donald Trump all the <laughs> way up through to getting elected and now refuses to say a bad word about him. Right. Ted Cruz is someone who I detest, yeah. but was a vocal critic of Donald Trump all the way up through the 2016 primary, through getting elected, etc., and now has completely bought into everything that Trump says. Yep. And now, oddly, is talking about an anticipated bloodbath for Republicans on election day of Watergate proportions. Like, might have taken a wrong turn there, Ted. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, you look at the... I don't know. I mean, you look at the people like Ted Cruz and you look at the people like Lindsey Graham and I just, I, I wish that somebody could have been a fly on the wall during the back, whatever backhanded dealings that were, that have been taken on over the last four years. Um, because with the corruption that has been evident in this administration for the last four years, anytime anyone refuses to criticize Trump at this point, I think it is an indication that they have been promised something, been bought off for something, by something. Or they're afraid of or something. Or they're afraid of something. Um, and I think that is, again, I think just indicative of, again, assuming that Biden is elected. I think it's just another piece of evidence that shows that the Republican Party is going to cease to exist as we all know it currently. Yeah, because I mean, it really is just a blind power grab at this point. Yeah. To have, like, I feel like everything that Republicans say and do these days, there's either a tweet or a video recording <laughs> of them saying the complete opposite. Yes. And telling someone previously, Lindsey Graham, for example, with the Supreme Court, saying, hold me accountable. Here's my word. We will not do this. And if I do, hold right. me to account. Right. And now all of a sudden it's shifty and it's let me come up with a reason. And, and yeah. it's it's just it can't stand and it's not it's not going to endure. No, it, it, I don't know. No, I, I think it's been shown. And we were as we were saying earlier, I, I as someone who tends to be a pretty rational human being. I don't understand and I can't seem to understand how there can still be voters in this country who could even look at Donald Trump as a legitimate candidate, let alone want to reelect him. Yeah, like there's people who will blindly vote Republican because they've always voted Republican and they don't stay informed. But then there are also people who just like will go out to his rallies mm -hmm. wearing no masks, wearing um, you know, profane t-shirts and things right. and not think twice about it. Um, and then, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, there were emails that were sent. Um, there, It's now been determined that it was either Iran or yeah. Russia or some collaboration sending threatening emails to voters in Florida yeah. specifically. And there's been other states who yeah. are registered Democrats 
basically saying we have all them, your information saying yeah. yeah saying we have your information we know you are a registered democrat right and if you don't switch your party affiliation to republican we will come after you if you vote we will know who you vote for and we will hold you to account right and then the emails themselves have not only the person's full name but also their street address at the bottom right which, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that most of that information is publicly is public. accessible yeah. without a giant hacking attack. Right. But for someone, you know, you think about low information voters or people with a language barrier or, you know, anyone who's in any vulnerable situation. And that can become very right. scary very quickly. Well, see, and I, I did see articles about that um, this week. Um, and my thing is... If there is going to be foreign interference in elections, and it at this point is so obvious that they are trying to sway people in favor of Trump, what is the ulterior motive behind that? Why would a foreign power who, you know, obviously has some tension and has some political differences with the United States of America... If they really want to do the country harm, don't you think that they would get the person most harmful to the country elected? You know, like, why would they be pushing, why wouldn't they be pu pushing for Trump? Or why would they be pushing for Trump unless they knew that he was the most Right, like, harmful they, they must have some motives right. behind it to sow chaos and discord. Right. Which was proven in 2016 yeah, and proven I mean, by the investigations and, and things that came out that they were actively working to get Trump elected. And right. even with this, this email situation, um, the, there were Trump appointed government officials um, who held a press conference, <laughs> including the FBI director mm -hmm. and um, other prominent, you know, director of national intelligence, um, yep. who gave this press conference to say that they were aware that there was a threat of emails targeting individuals mm -hmm. and then made it out that Trump was the one being damaged yes. by this situation, Yes, which is just it, like, we've gotten to the point and, and this is the scariest underlying, like any of the political Michigas is that we've gotten to a point where people no longer believe facts and mm -hmm. can no longer tell the difference between fact and fiction. Right. It's different. Or don't want it, to. Right. And it like governments have told white lies, have bent the truth in the past, but things are like so consistently deceptive and a, a just blatant lie. And there are people who have gone to jail. Right. Who have been appointed <laughs> to these positions and have lied and have gotten caught. Right. That it, it scares me that people don't seem to know what to trust as fact anymore. For sure. And, and when the media, you know, the, the trustworthy media, because um, there are some, report information, if it doesn't look good for a particular individual, people don't believe it. Just simply <laughs> right. because it doesn't align with what they right. already believe to be true. Right. But... Uh, bottom line, um, we can wrap this up, but the, the bottom line is just like, you know, if you're listening to this, please go out and vote. Um, you know, if you want to vote absentee, you can do that. You have to do it in person now because online voter registration and absentee balloting uh, requests ended as of 
uh, Monday the 19th. So now you have to go into your precinct in order to uh, request, you know, re-register to vote or to request that absentee ballot, but they'll give it to you in person and you can vote on the spot and leave it right there to make sure it's counted. If you have an absentee ballot, try and get it filled out, do your research and get it submitted early. The earlier, the better, uh, especially if you plan to mail it. If you're able to drop it in a drop box, that's the best, but if you have to mail it, get it in early. Um, and many of you listening to this probably know, you know, one or two other people in your life who maybe are fair weather voters who may or may not vote, don't see it as that important. This is the time. If ever there was a time to have those conversations, to talk about it with them, to convince them to you know, vote, even if they don't know all of the information, to get involved and to take that step. Because you know, 2016, our biggest mistake was everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion. Hillary was going to win. And we don't have that luxury this time around. So for all voter information, you can go to uh, michigan.gov slash forward slash vote and you can check your registra registration status, the status of your absentee ballot, whether it's been received. You would simply click on, um, you know, to check my, my registration status and you can actually through that same portal view the status of your absentee ballot, whether it's been received, etc. So thank you so much for doing this episode with me, Seth. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I had a yeah. wonderful time. All right, well, hold strong and we'll get through this. Get out November, there and vote. November 3rd is right around the corner, thank God. <laughs> yes. Finally, we've been living <laughs> for this over day with. for years. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening to this episode. I can't wait for us to get to November 3rd and for the results to finally pour in. Um, this has been a very exhausting process. Just, you know, it, it's okay to take a break when this is all over, but it will be important that we continue to push forward and, and ask for the progressive change that we all are fighting for and have fought for for so much, regardless of what the election outcome is. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to continuing this podcast. Uh, we'll have another episode next week uh, talking about community organizing and uh, local politics, why those are important, etc. And then, of course, we'll have the election, and I'll follow that up with an episode to do a little bit of election roundup to kind of talk about what the results were, uh, what the process says about where we're headed, and things of that nature. I did set up an Instagram account, so if you're on Instagram, please follow Mitten Politics on Instagram at Mitten underscore politics. I'm also on Twitter at Mitten underscore politics. And I also have a Facebook page at Mitten Politics with no spaces or anything. If you would like to send me a message or a comment, anything that you'd like me to include or answer in a future episode, my email account is mittenpolitics at gmail.com. Thank you and good luck.